Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, where today we are interviewing Take Him, the financial tortoise, and talk about building wealth slowly and the money lessons you can learn from broke financial gurus. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen, and with me, as always, is my not broke master of finance co-host, Scott Trench. Thanks, Mindy. It's great to be here with my invests in companies that make cars without a choke co-host, Mindy <laughs> Jensen. I do. That's a good one. That's a good one, Scott. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or simply get rich slowly, like the tortoise, not the hare, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. All right, Scott, without further ado, let's bring in Tay. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Tay Kim is a financial content creator who writes the high-value, popular newsletter, The Financial Tortoise. With over 100,000 YouTube subscribers and a perfect hairdo, Tay shares his personal finance philosophies of growing wealth slowly and becoming a quiet millionaire. Tay, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. We have a mutual friend named Roger, and Roger and I were having coffee a few weeks ago, and he was talking to me about how he has this friend who decided to quit his job and then become a YouTube content creator. And I was like, oh, good luck to him. That's going to be, you know, a bit of an undertaking. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's been doing it a while. It's take him, the financial tortoise. I'm like, I know him. <laughs> So I'm super excited to have you on the show today. I love your videos because you are genuine. And I think that really is the difference between people who are successful 
at creating content online versus people who are uh, maybe have a little pop of success and then fizzle out. It's because they're not genuinely trying to educate. And I think that's what you're trying to do. I, that's the impression that I get. If that's not what you're trying to do, you're doing a really good job. You're an excellent actor. What made you want to quit your job? I mean, I know why everybody wants to quit their job, but what made you want to quit your job and then move into financial content creation? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people who are interested in, um, who, who kind of end up creating personal finance content. I mean, I was always interested uh, given my wife and I, we had we went, we kind of went through this like financial journey. Um, when we got married, we had one hundred and five thousand dollars of student debt. Um, that's how we started off our marriage, and then we went through the Dave Ramsey course, and um, we spent just many years just uh, understanding money, paying off debt, which kind of really forced us to look at our spending. Uh, so that really helped to develop uh, good money habits. So it was a bit of a blessing in disguise having having that debt. That's what we talk about. Um, and then uh, I think as we learn more about money, I saw how you know financial literacy was you know very powerful. Something that I didn't have you know growing up as an immigrant child and uh, in my twenties in my professional career in my twenties. So it kind of uh, after we went after we paid off our debt, um, we started just kind of moving up the you know the financial literacy ladder and then more and more and more, uh, more I learned more I became um, just excited about it more I realized how empowering it could be so um, yeah and I saw kind of when I was you know starting to do some you know blogging on the side just for fun started engaging with people within the personal finance community um, uh, I just thought, you know, hey, YouTube seems to be this exciting place. Um, so why don't I, you know, kind of try my luck there as a middle-aged man, even though, um, you know, I can't compete with all of these young, hip, cool kids. But why not? There's not many of us out there. So, you know, it's a, what can go wrong? So that's that's how I got started. Well, let, let, you know, let, let you, you've mentioned a word a couple of times here, learning and the financial literacy component. I see a huge bookshelf um, behind you. How important has that been to your journey, the self-education component? Yeah, it's been huge. So I uh, went to graduate school for a for my MBA. Um, but what's most interesting is that uh, despite having gotten my MBA, most of the personal finance lessons that I learned has been outside of it through my personal experience and mistakes that I've made. So it's huge. I mean, um, I think everything that I know, everything that I talk about in the channel is really based upon, um, uh, it's a combination of learning from all these smart individuals who distill their thoughts into these books, and then me, me being able to apply those into my personal life, reflecting on the mistakes that I've made. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, I think because it's not a it's not a topic that is systematically taught within our school system i think it's uh, more it's so much more important to self-educate ourselves about money what what was your childhood experience with money um if any yeah there wasn't i guess a lot of discussion around money at home so my family we immigrated from south korea when i was 9 um and with similar to a lot of immigrant families we struggle with money my both of my parents were you know working class um uh they didn't speak english um and what uh you know they were telling us was just to study hard and then you'll be set you'll be good you know just study hard go to college and then you're good for the rest of your life because that's what you know uh, our neighbors you know the the ones that went to college look like so yeah i mean it was uh, a lot of um i guess financial struggle in a way, like not having much. And I think part of the reason why I made so many financial mistakes in my 20s uh, really stemmed from the insecurities I had in my in my youth, where uh, I, I didn't know the difference between real financial wealth and success versus what's shown on the media. So, and what was seen around me. Thus, I think I grew up with this misconception that people who drive... Uh, luxury cars, live in these big homes, went on vacations all the time, were wealthy, were financially successful. And I think in my 20s, that's what I try to mimic without having the foundation um, of, you know, like, you know, Morgan Housel talks about in his book is like, real wealth is made when you don't spend the money. 
And then for me, like that, it, it clicked in my 30s, but then in my 20s, I mean, like I was just like, I don't know, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Go buy a brand new car, but, you know, like、uh, rent your own apartment when you can't afford it and just, you know, like eat out all the time. That's what wealthy people do. So I tried to mimic that before I actually had real wealth. What were some of those big mistakes that you made in your 20s? Oh, so many, so many. I mean,、uh, um, I think the most, like the, I think one of the first ones, Right out of the gate, was I coming out of college? I rented my own apartment、um, by myself, thinking that's what you know, like successful people do, right? Which was like 50% of my take home pay. And I didn't have any furniture to fill it with. So I went to a furniture, furniture store, and you know, they were very generous. They were like, hey, we have this deal going where you can rent to own your furniture. So, of course, I was like, that's awesome. Like, you guys are doing this for me.、Um, so, I, <laughs> I bought a bunch of furniture that I couldn't afford, but thankfully, they're like, hey, we have this payment plan. And I had no idea at the time, like interest rate, payment plan, all these things. So, I was like, this is great. I could fill my furniture. I have, I'm owning my own apartment and I could fill it with furniture right away. And I look successful. So, I think that's like, if, if, I, could, if I could go back to when I was, I think that was like when I was 20, 22, I like to say. Yeah, I made that,、uh, made that dumb mistake. I just love that quote you referenced earlier, where I think Morgan Housel says, like, wealth is by definition the money not spent. And it seems like this experience in your 20s really set the stage for the complete reversal in philosophy that you live today. Can you talk about this concept of the quiet millionaire and some of the quiet ways that you enjoy your wealth now that may be more meaningful? Yeah. So, Um, so, my channel is called Financial Tortoise. And then、um, uh, I was inspired by my wife and I were inspired by our favorite, favorite、um, fable, Tortoise and the Hare. You know, he,、uh, the tortoise didn't do anything fancy. He wasn't, you know, trying to、uh, show his, his amazing skill as, as, a, as a racer. He was very slow and steady on his path、uh, during his race. Um, so, I kind of follow that philosophy. I like to follow that philosophy with like money and life as well.、Um, so, Scott, you were mentioning like, you know, I think slow wealth coincides with like quiet wealth too. I think when we aren't focused on、um, trying to show our wealth, but then really focus on the fundamentals of like, how do we build wealth? And yeah, like it's really not caring about.、Um, What,、uh, you know, what people think about me or what car I drive or、um, what big of a house I have, what a fancy, a fancy things I own. But, you know, I mean, it's not like to say you shouldn't own nice things and you shouldn't own, you know, have, you know, go on nice vacations of something that you enjoy. But really、um, being able to separate yourself. From needing to show this well to the world and then being, being, finding that self you know, fulfillment just from within.、Um, and then you, ina- using the wealth that you have to enable the life that you want to live.、Um, so I think,、um, of course, it's easier said than done. We live in a very social world where you know,、um, we want to be accepted, we want to be liked, we want people to be impressed. You know, by what we do.、Um, so I think it takes a lot of conscious effort to,、uh, I think, decouple ourselves from this need to,、um, need, need to show, you know, a certain image of ourselves to the world. But yeah, that's kind of the philosophy that, like, I think after many hard, hard lessons that、uh, I've, I've come to really、um, follow, espouse, and like to promote. So, how did you go from spending? And putting used furniture on layaway and trying to look wealthy to flipping the switch to growing your wealth in a slow way. What was the impetus for the change? Yeah, so I think I spent, so if I could think about like in my life, the decades, like 20s was really just all about the, the money mistakes that I've made. I think the rent to own furniture is just one, Scott. It's just like I got the, you know, like I, I went and bought a brand new car. Like I didn't learn my lesson. At 24, I went and bought myself a brand new car. And then、um, at 27, I went and got myself like 100K in student loans. It just kept going, the mistakes.、Um, I wasn't, you know, <laughs>、uh, it took me a little while to learn those lessons. I wish I learned it sooner.、Um, but I think the biggest impetus was really、um, when my wife and I got married.、Um, 
we pretty much spent all of our savings. Um, and then we had a combined $105,000 student debt. She just graduated from nursing school. I just graduated from business school. And I think that's when, like, you know, now that I have a family, like, I have this responsibility. And then I realized I was on this razor-thin edge of, like, one major catastrophe, one major mistakes can tip us over. And I think that's where I was like, I need to um, get my financial house in order. And I think there is this a lot of, especially in the um, world of like financial, I won't say literacy, but like financial media, there's just a lot of messaging around, I think, make money quickly, get rich quickly, right? Those are very seductive, very sensational. And I was, I was pulled into that. I was like, oh, like, you know, you read like um, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then, you know, he doesn't directly say like make money quickly, but it's a lot of like big words of like get rich, you know, like, and then you're like, oh, I need to go out and, you know, do something s- sensational so I can make a lot of money right away. So that's what I think the hack was I was always looking for. And then I think when I went through Dave Ramsey's course, it kind of flipped the script uh, in a way and be like, oh, I don't have the fundamentals down. Like, I don't have my spending down. I don't understand how credit works. I don't understand, like, um, how debt works. So these are the things that I need to really focus on. And then I think as I went through that process, I started to read more, you know, books that aren't as exciting, but is, you know, filled with a lot of uh, a lot of jewels. Like, you know, the Bogle Heads, like three from Portfolio, like it's... It's a very dry book, but like it's, you know, it's got like everything in there that you need to like master your money, you know? So those are kind of stuff that I, as I started, as I started, as I started consuming, I was like, oh, this is what I really want. This really connects with me. Like this is what, if I want to have long-term sustainable wealth, it takes time. And like anything else in life, like if you want to have, um, you know, like a happy marriage, like relationship takes time. Like it takes time to invest in each other. It doesn't, it's not like just, you know, uh, roses and unicorns overnight, like the movies, right? Like nothing good in life comes overnight. Everything takes time. Tate, when did this uh, pivot happen? What year What what year are we talking about? How old were you? So I was uh, early 30s. Yeah. Just graduated from business school. It was my early 30s. Um, I would say in the first couple of years of our marriage. Awesome. And how long did it take you then from there to pay off all the student loan debt and and get ahead? What, was it, was it a, a process? to really transition your financial position or was it a light switch that happened, you know, pretty quick where your savings rate just jumped and you're able to race towards? Yeah. I mean, it took a, it was a process. We went through the Dave Ramsey financial peace university course. And then, um, we, it took us three and a half years to pay off 105,000. Um, so then I think that time, what really taught us was, um, just managing our spending um, just looking at our expenses, like stuff that we didn't do before. Like I didn't track my expenses. And that was one of the first things that I did was like, oh, let me look at like, where's all my money going? And then let me see how I can, um, like, where can we plug the hole? So then, you know, like I realized how much I was spending on eating out. So we started packing, packing lunch. Um, how, like, uh, how much is our car costing us, you know? Um, so then we said, you know what, like, we're gonna, like, we might, we might have thought that we're gonna switch our cars, but we're like, we're gonna keep this as long as possible. Um, just like, yeah, and I think that's, those fundamental building blocks, um, I think just wasn't there. And I think that's what the paying down the debt really helped us to really uh, dial in, was like controlling our spending. And thankfully, um, uh, our income also increased because, you know, our uh, our career capital increased and then, you know, we were able to bring in more money. And so then our expenses stay fixed while our income increased. So we were able to use more of the gap to pay off our student loan faster. And then I think that just kind of uh, after our student, student loan was paid off, I think that catapulted us into like, okay, how much more can we save? How much more can we invest? 
We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience, or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment and tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9 to 5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split, with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, 
supporting local economies and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com slash BP. Fast forward, you know, five, six, seven years, and now we're here and you've transitioned from your full-time job to uh, YouTube full-time. Can you walk us through that transition and the interplay between your the strength of your personal financial position and the influence that had on your choice to leave your job and, and pursue this new new venture that you're very passionate about, clearly. Uh, so after Dave Ramsey, we kind of graduated into the uh, the FI world. We got hooked into like Choose FI and went to a lot of the events. Um, and then our goal now became save as much as possible, invest as much of much as possible while we're in our peak earning years. And then um, in back of our mind, I think both of us, we didn't have a concrete goal of like, where do we want to go? Um, is it, you know, like, I think the the pursuit of financial independence in a way is, I think, um, process of, I think, rediscovery, transformation in a way. I think the money plays a role of just enabling you to pursue that, pursue that journey. So... As ours, you know, as we were able to save a lot more um, uh, into the market, and then as we had a lot more cushion, which gave us a lot more options that we could take with our career, I think we were just, we were just kind of playing around with different ideas of, hey, if we could wave a magic wand and try something crazy, what would that look like? Um, and then I think the being able to save, being able to one, being good with our finances, which started with Dave Ramsey, and being able to save a lot more really gave us the permission to dream. Because I think that's where, um, you know, if we didn't have that, like, we would be like, this is a route that we have to take. I mean, I, I worked in my job for 10 years before I started even thinking about, oh, this, what else could be possible? So, uh, Scott, to your question earlier, like, how, like, what what triggered it was, I guess, uh to be bluntly, I might have had a midlife crisis in my late 30s. And I was like, I don't know if I could see myself doing this 10 years from now. Um, and to be frank, like, I, I, I enjoyed, I think I come, coming out of business school, getting my MBA, moving you know, up the ladder in the FP&A route was a very traditional like, and uh, I enjoyed the work, I enjoyed the team that I was working with. But then I could forecast where my next 10 years would exactly where, where that would take me. I saw exactly, I'm moving to that corner office right there. I'm going to get this kind of a salary bump. I'm just moving my seat at the board meeting from where I'm sitting over to like two seats over. Like where I created the slides, but now I'm going to read the slides. Like I saw it exactly. Like oh, I saw it all playing out in my mind. And I was like, is that where I want to be? And I think that's where I was like, okay, then if not, then where do I want to go? And I think, and this happened like several years before I left my day job where my wife and I would start um, and this sounds really nerdy, but we actually got a whiteboard out. We started kind of vision planning out. Like, what would that look like? If you could say five years from now, this is something you, crazy you want to do. Like, what would that look like? And then I think for each one of the kind of division, we started listing out, like, what would that financially cost us? Like, what would be our overhead? Do we have enough? What's our runway? And I think in the FI world, there's always this kind of um, dilemma of one more year. And then I think we got to a point where like, you just got to put a stake in the ground and then uh, make it happen. Um, YouTube was always something that I was, you know, somewhat interested in, but I didn't f know what that landscape looked like. So yeah, um, interestingly, I didn't, uh, I left my job a couple years ago uh, in 2021 and then um, uh Start bought a camera and then started recording myself and launching videos, and here we are. <laughs> it's super helpful. And my the the big question I have here is: Look, I I love it, right? I I, I had a similar experience at my my first job, also in FPNA, FPNA and finance. What you did, financial planning and analysis. You forecast the future. Sounds like that's exactly what you did. Uh, coming up on this this crisis, this midlife crisis, as you refer to it. 
My big question though is how do you think that that crisis, your ability to then go and transition to being a YouTuber and putting out this content would have been possible if you hadn't put in the six, seven, eight years previous in building your financial position? Was there an interplay between the actual ability to execute it and the work you'd put in for the last eight years? Yeah. So yes. And I think it's different for every people. I would say my wife and I were a little bit more on the conservative side. So I think having, um, we, I wouldn't personally have felt comfortable, um, not having a certain level of financial cushion that we had at the time. And we have now, uh, in order to make that leap. So a lot of the scenarios that we kind of played out was like, okay, let's say we start out in this journey and then we're not generating, you know, enough to cover the overhead. Then what are, um, what are some of the resources that we can pull from? So we built up almost two years worth of savings in cash. Like that if we brought no income, it's okay. That like, that's, that was, that's what we started like planning on. Like if we want to try all of these crazy things, what's one of the first thing we want is like, even if zero income came in, we're totally fine for two years. So that's one of the first layers. And then we started looking at, okay, if that runs out and then like, you know, your, my wife would be like, yeah, if your dream of YouTuber just flops and then you bring in no money, like then what? I'm like, well, okay. Then I think the second scenario is I can start doing some consulting work. I could start, you know, we can start tapping into our taxable accounts. Uh, we have a rental. Like, so we had all these different, I think, levers that we can pull. Um, and then I think, Mindy, you mentioned a lot in this, uh, in your podcast before, uh, was the worst case scenario is we just go back to what the heck we were doing before. That's it, right? Like, that's the worst case scenario. And that wasn't too bad. It's just, we got to give ourselves permission to try something. Let's swing for the fences and see. We would regret never having tried um, than having tr having tried and failed. Yeah, that's a quote from Joel from FI180. Scott and I were at Camp Fi in January of 2018, and he threw that out. He's like, what's the worst that could happen? I have to go and get a job. My worst case scenario is everybody else's everyday life. So taking that leap can be really freeing when that's like your worst case scenario. Um, however, you were smart about it. You had not just, you know, a month of savings. Oh, I better make it big in a month because otherwise I'll be broke. You had two years of savings so that you didn't have to worry about hitting it big as soon as you possibly could. And you, then on top of that, you had other levers to pull. And then on top of that, your worst case scenario was going back to get a job. And I think that that's really, really important. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I just quit my job. Now I'm going to start investing in real estate. And I'm like, oh, can you get your job back? Because you need to have a foundation first. You have a really great video right now where um you're talking about the lessons you learned from broke financial gurus. You talk about the danger of leverage, which just like leverage is great and horrible all at the same time. Can you tell us more about the uh, dangers of leverage and, and the lessons you learned from these these broke guys? Yeah, yeah. That was a fun video I made. Um, so the premise of the video was, you know, there's a lot of financial gurus on the market, you know, like... Um, Robert Kiyosaki, like uh, Robert Allen, like all these people who wrote books. And then we hear just the surface level stories of what they, you know, want to portray or what they market. But then when we start unpeeling the layers, you know, it's a little bit more complex. A lot of them went through um, uh, financial difficulties or in bankruptcies. But one of the topics, one of the points I talk about specifically is the danger of leverage, how a lot of them the reason why um, they got into financial trouble, their companies or they themselves went bankrupt, um, was the primary, tr the common theme across all of them was leverage, was debt. Um, so I talk about examples of like Dave Ramsey specifically. You know, he he was able to build a $4 million real estate portfolio by the time he was 26. 26. However, he went, uh, he had to declare bankruptcy because he was over leveraged. And that's what, you know, I think most other financial gurus out there. So yeah, I mean, that's another uh, component. My wife and I, we, um, we were very cognizant about when we decided to take the leap was outside of our home mortgage, 
which we thankfully also refinanced right before we all left. We both left our jobs um, into the lower interest rates, um, locked those in, and then we paid off all. Of, we 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 paid off pretty much every other debt that we had. So we then didn't have any other obligations. So I mean, once again, Scott, like to your point earlier, like I think it depends on each person on the what your decision. Uh, how you make those decisions and what you feel comfortable. But for my wife and I, I think like when we ran the scenarios, we're like, there, there are some absolutes that we, we wouldn't feel comfortable emotionally until, you know, we, um, are able to, you know, mitigate a lot of these risks, um, within our lives before we can, you know, think about even taking risks in other avenues. Yeah. So, I mean, look, scenario planning, and I'll just say that is way easier and way more comfortable when, Part of the scenario plan is two years in cash before you even have to touch any investment returns or generate any other income. So I think that that's an absolutely critical thing for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs. I think there's a very high correlation. It's not perfect, um, but there's a very high correlation between successful entrepreneurs and that cash position when they start out on that entrepreneurial journey. And what's really impressive is you and your wife built it after paying off a ton of debt um, working two full-time W-2 jobs, paying taxes, um, and, and clearly as a result of discipline on a day in, day out basis for years to get to that point. And it's really paid off wonderfully for you. But, but I, I want to keep going and diving into this, this concept of financial gurus going broke basically. And because, you know, I, that is not like, that's not over, right? There's a lot of folks out there right now on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, uh, with their courses, their very high price programs, and some of them will go broke, right? Some of them are probably struggling very badly right now. If you know they're in certain asset classes that have been hammered, what what? How do how do we how do you how do you use the lessons from that video to think about who you follow and which lessons you take uh, with a grain of salt and which what which folks to to follow in building your position? Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I think because. It's uh, like myself, I think um, the reason I made so many money mistakes in my 20s was because I couldn't discern between um, good advice and bad advice because I didn't have a foundation of financial knowledge. And I think um, you could only really discern when you have a level of financial literacy. And I think that really begins with self-education and reading, you know, it's boring, but it's like reading, you know, classic personal finance books. Like go read Jell Collins, like Simple Path to Wealth. They'll give you a basic foundation on investing. Go read Dave Ramsey's, you know, Total Money Makeover. That's going to give you some basic foundation on overspending. And I think when you have these building blocks in your mind, and then when and then you start to see these um, financial gurus on social media, then you can kind of discern between okay, that's that's a little shady versus like, oh, this is really good content. This is like real, you know, this is based on sound foundation. Um, and it, and the other part too is that there is no financial guru that's going to be perfect for everybody. Um, uh, I think there's elements in which, you know, um, it's going to resonate, uh, a component of what this person says resonates with you, but other components that's not going to resonate with you. And then I think that responsibility really, resides with the um with ourselves and knowing how to uh knowing how to discern and then being able to pick the best and then apply that into our own lives you know what one of the things i've observed about you is i think that the word enough um you know like that that, that i think as a as a profound word in terms of the world of personal finance and planning is that you know have you have you observed that to be one of these things that influences who you follow um this concept of folks who never seem to have enough, um, and folks who, who do. I think so. I mean, I think that's just, that's not just the financial influencers, but all of us, right. Being able to identify, um, what our enough is. I mean, I, I, I talk about this in my video a lot about the, um, that, uh, story between these two writers, they were at the, um, at, you know, this, uh, this billionaire's party. And then, one author tells the other, like, hey, how do you feel that this billionaire is making more money than the royalty from your book throughout your whole life? And then the author says, you know, this billionaire has something that doesn't have something that I'll always have, which is enough. I have enough, so I'll always be wealthy. So I think that idea of enough is is crucial as being able to, because then, you know, you'll never be satisfied. And then it doesn't matter how much money you have, you know, like wealth 
uh, living a rich life, having a wealthy life, you know, it's, uh, it's very personal, uh, you know, knowing like, what is that I want? And um, do I have that in my life? And then if you're constantly seeking to have more and more, then you'll always be poor, regardless of how much money you have. That's a really great point. And being able to define what enough means to you can be difficult. I mean, you see, it goes back to that, you know, the TV and the media telling you, you need to have all of these things. Well, if I need to have all of these things, then I don't have enough yet because I still need to buy all of these things. So, you know, what makes you happy? What is it that you want to do? The, uh, was it Scott Rickens in, uh, playing with fire, the, the documentary? He said, I asked my wife to make a list of her top 10 things that she loves the most. And they weren't, they weren't, uh, really material things. It was like a good bottle of wine, good chocolate, spending time with my friends, spending time with my kids, spending time with my husband. It was, it was a lot of non material or non expensive things. So they changed up their life, uh, so that they could live this better life. Yeah. And Morgan Housel also talks about in his book too, the psychology of money, how like happiness is really, um, the gap between, like the expectation and like, you know, what we want or the reality. So then really, if you want to increase your happiness, lower the expectation and then your happiness shoots up because you have what you expect. Like that, that like this concept scares the heck out of me with some investors who just keep piling more. Like, it's like, Oh, you have a hundred properties and you got there in three years. Mm, what's going to happen there. You know, how you talk about leverage. That's the only way there's only one way to get there that quickly. It's with leverage, right? With using other people's money, raising it from various sources, combining those things. And then what's enough, you know, who needs a hundred properties to achieve their goals? Give me 10 paid off ones and I'm good to go way past where I need to be. Right. Yeah. Um, with that. Anyways, I, I love that concept. This concept of enough, I think, is absolutely critical to understanding everything you're about with the financial tortoise uh, in, in a lot of ways, or, uh, or at least that's what I've observed. How does it influence the way you invest? What do you invest in? What's your philosophy and approach? Yeah, it's very simple. So I don't, uh, the other kind of element that I um, really embraced is the idea of simplicity. Um, that's the tortoise, right? He didn't, he didn't have any fancy tricks up his bag. He just put one foot in front of the other and just kept walking stayed on the same path, didn't get distracted. So I'm a big follower of Jill Collins, The Simple Path to Wealth. Um, so most of my, um, yeah, most of my investment is all within broad market index fund. If they're with Vanguard, it's with VTSAX. If they happen to be with Fidelity because of my previous 401k, then they're with, um, see, I, I don't even know. I think it, I, I picked it once. It was either the S&P 500 or the total market, one of those. And then you just set it and forget it. Yeah. So a very simple philosophy and, um, in investing. And I think kind of, uh, Scott, going back to the idea of enough, right? Like, I think there's always, uh, this lure to want to eke out better returns and more returns than what I'm getting. But then I think, um, that always comes with a cost too, right? Cost of your energy, cost of risk, um, cost of just complexity. Um, so then, uh, if you have defined your enough as like, Hey, this is like a VTSAX fund serves my purpose. It does the job. Then we find contentness in that and that's okay. And not want more. And then you, and then at the end of the day for me, it's like, well, then I don't need to, I, I can spend my time on more important things in life instead of looking at the stock market. What about this investment in Clear, clearly in books yes. and fitness that we can see right behind you on screen here. Yes, yes. I have my squat rack right here and my books right here. So yeah, I mean, um, I do believe in spending on things that um, bring a lot of value in life. Um, so uh, I think a couple of those are, you know, like education and health and physical fitness. Um, so uh I invested in a, I think at the time it was like $2,500 or $3,000 squat rack that I have placed right behind my desk. So I have no excuse never to work out. And then um, when I was growing up, uh, uh, one, of the, one of my dreams I had was one day if I could buy all the books that I want, I, I spent a lot of time in the library and then it was very particular. I was like, I don't want to get the paperback. I want to get the hardcover when it comes out in full price. So that was kind of like my dream. So um, whenever uh, 
Yeah, the other day I just I I I got I picked up this book How to Win Friends and Influence People, and I have a paper copy, but I was like, there's a hardcover. Like I gotta get that. <laughs> yeah, twenty two dollars. You know what? It's an investment. So. It's going back to the idea of like, yeah, like I think um, we should, uh, uh, you know, the money is there. It's a tool. End of the day, end of the end of the day, it's enable. It's an it's a tool to enable us to live the life that we want. Um, identifying what's enough for us, and then being able to invest, uh, you know, guiltless in those areas. So for me, like working out and education are two of those big things. I love it. Uh, what? advice do you have for somebody who is just starting out either on their investment journey or their uh, content creation journey? Yeah. So investment journey, I would say, you know, it's, it's okay to keep things simple. I talk to a lot of people who I think very smart individuals, I think, and I think a lot of it because of their intelligence, they have a hard time digesting the fact that like a simple index fund is that's all they need. So I think when you're when you're investing, like it, I, I literally have the same conversation over and over again. They're like, I, I bought the VTSAX, but do you think I need this S and P five hundred fund, or what do you think? Do I need to add this like you know um, this small cap fund? I'm like, well, you could, but what's the point? Like, what are you trying to achieve, right? And then um, so it's okay to keep it simple. So that would be my kind of recommendation. Is like unless you love looking at the stock market all day long. Um, find one good fund, a S&P 500 or a total market, and then dump as much money as possible. It's not about eking out the best return. It's about how much money you put in and how long you keep it in there for. That's going to have a bigger impact on your wealth than anything else. And then I think with the content creation part, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of a niche topic. I would say one of the biggest lessons I learned was um, uh, never be afraid to try something new. I think that was the biggest lesson for me was like creating YouTube videos um, in my 40s, um, learning how to film myself, edit videos. It's been uh, it's been a steep learning curve and I feel like I've grown so much from it. Um, so I think that would be my other recommendation is that, hey, if there's an arena in your life that you never thought, you know, you could do it, but you want to try, you will regret never having tried more than having tried and failed. So don't be afraid. I love it. Thank you, Tay. That was awesome. This whole entire episode has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time today. We've touched on you're the financial tortoise, but when people are looking for you, where will they find you? Yeah. So I think people can find me on, um, the YouTube channel, uh, take him dash financial tortoise. Um, and then, you know, if they want to connect with me directly, you can go to my website, financialtortoise.com and then join my email newsletter. Um, so I'm still old school. So I think I, I like to interface via email. Uh, <laughs> Not very good at um, with the YouTube, you know, uh, interface interacting on on YouTube, but you can find my content there. Um, so that would be the best place to find me. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tay. Really appreciate it. Um, hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and put up a PR on that squat rack here in the coming in coming days. So thanks for all you do. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Holy cats! I should say, holy tortoise, Scott. That was take him, and that was such a fabulous show. What a great philosophy. And I, you know, I love that he had a little bit of a bump in the road at the beginning. I mean, I don't love it. I'm not like, woohoo, he was terrible with money. But it's, it seems like that really brings out the, the desire to teach people when we've got, uh, guests on the show who have had this, this experience with making mistakes. And they're like, Hey, this is what I've learned. I want to share it with you too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you've been listening to bigger pockets money for, you know, uh, even a couple episodes, you instantly recognize that Tay is a kindred kindred spirit with Mindy and I, in terms of how we think about personal finance. I just love listening to his story. R what a, what a wonderful success story. Lots of lessons learned. Um, you know, and, and look, nothing, nothing crazy about his, his story, right. Uh, and, and his, his twenties and thirties and the start he got really in his thirties on his personal finance journey. So I think he's really inspirational. I think he's, uh, uh likely to be very, very successful with his, his approach going forward and look at the doors that opened up just after five, six, seven years of really pivoting with his personal finances, uh, and allowing him to live a life of his dreams, stay fit, stay healthy, 
build a, a YouTube channel and, and do what he loves every day. Yeah. What is that? What is that saying? When you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. He's having, he's living his best life doing everything that he wants to do. Um, I did like the point in the show where he says, well, this might sound a little nerdy. Uh, not to us, Tay. This might sound a little nerdy, but my wife and I broke out a, a whiteboard and we started to uh, plan our life. I'm like, aha, uh-huh, that's what we all do today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, that's that's something that's so rare, but so common among folks who actually go on to achieve financial independence and the, and reap the rewards and the benefits that come that come uh, come with it. Yep, if that's what you do too, welcome to your community. All right, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. That wraps up this fantastic episode of the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. He is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, take care, be a tortoise, not a hare. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. And if you're looking for even more money content, feel free to visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash biggerpocketsmoney. Bigger Pockets Money was created by Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Exodus Media. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Lastly, a big thank you to the Bigger Pockets team for making this show possible. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.